0: Welcome to Interpod, a podcast by Interpride, where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA plus community. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. In honor of International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, and Transphobia, we speak to Ana Andrade, who is the Senior Campaigns Manager for All Out. We'll talk about discrimination and anti-LGBTQ views in Latin America.
1: Hi, I'm Anna. I am uh, senior campaign manager for All Out, and my pronouns are she, her.
2: Let's begin by having a conversation about homophobia, transphobia in Latin America. Where do you feel that it is most dangerous for LGBTQIA plus people in Latin America?
1: Um, I don't think it is too much of a where? Um, I think it's more of a who, I would say for for um, Latin America, because uh, we do see a lot of transphobia, um, rampant transphobia in the region, in all countries. And um, there is a lot of um, different kinds of um, intersections that make people subject to more risk. So, for example, if you are a white person in Brazil, you are much safer than if you are a Black person in Brazil. And that's regardless of the fact that you are LGBT or not. But if you are a Black LGBT person, then you are at a much higher risk. And if you're, for example, a black trans woman, you're at even higher risk. Um, And in different countries in the region, that kind of changes a little bit. So for example, in some countries, um, there is uh, a lot of discrimination against indigenous people in some countries. It's more about black folks that are discriminated, Um, but there is a lot of racism in the region in in general. And um, that that usually affects a lot of um, the safety that you have and the ability that you have to go from one place to the other and to make sure that um, you're free to do what you can and what you want and just be who you are. Um, so it's not so much about which countries are better or worse, even though some have um, advanced more in terms of, of LGBT rights, um, but it's more about how, um, how you're seen by society and how many, um, like how many kinds of risks you're subject to because of who you are.
2: What do you think is driving or influencing the I guess either the hate or the anti-LGBTQ views.
1: I think it's um, it's a, a bunch of different factors um, that make it so um, present in the in most if not all of the cultures in the region. I think that it has a lot to do um, with um, things that, that were inherited from from the colonial past of the region. Um, I think that that affects a lot the way that we organize as a society in these countries, um, because when when all of the, Latin America was um, colonized, were invaded by uh, mostly the Portuguese and the Spanish, um, other other, um, countries as well um, in the 1500s. And from then on, our society kind of started to mold around these these imported colonial beliefs. Um, So the structure of the family, it's much um, um, uh, this connection to um, certain religions, um, this idea that just um, the white men is what is accepted and valid these kind of came through um, and became sort of in kind of enthr- enthralled into the um, into the societies of the region um, and I think that to this day that is something that um, has a big impact and then I think that also um, it is a region that has a very big history of um, being subject to things um, from other countries, from other like subject to international um, vulnerabilities that, that has put us in a place that um, we've had to battle a lot of dictatorships in the 60s, 70s, 80s um, in many of the countries. And um, some of them are military dictatorships. And that kind of creates this environment of repression. And I feel like as we started to advance more in the 90s and 2000s, we we started moving forward with LGBT rights very slowly, but surely in in a lot of the countries. And I feel like that generates a very big backlash. Um, And it kind of is a little scary to the people who have always been um, in control of media, in control of everything, to see that everyone now has rights. Wait, this is actually very scary to me. What is happening? And I feel like that generates some kind of kind of the backlash comes from that um that idea that you have to preserve family values and family values um in in the region usually do not include lgbt people even though we know that there are a lot of us um so i feel like that is um kind of how it's been um it's been happening and I and they I think that it's it's impossible to talk about um, Latin America and not talk about how it is um, in recent years we've been seeing um, a rise in kind of almost neo-fascist um, um, governments. For example, in Brazil, we currently have um, Bolsonaro as the president um, and he's former military. He um, is one of those people that says he was not a politician but had been in politics for 30 years. Um, And that represents a lot of what um, that regular people um, feel of just, this is what is safe. This is what is, this is what I know. I don't really need to understand it different because it's not me. So I don't have to, to worry about that. Um, And it is a person that, not was a uh, very harmful to to the country not um, is because it hes still president unfortunately but um, very harmful to the country not only uh, regarding LGBT rights or the rights of all minorities um, but in general in in for the whole of the country and I feel like that is something that is happening across the region in many different countries some countries have been moving towards a more um, Open and inclusive kind of kind of government, new elections, new constitution, like it's the case for Chile, for example, um, and Argentina, who had a um, a recent um, election and who recently um, finally uh, lifted the ban on abortions last year, I believe. Uh, so some countries have been progressing, um, even despite all of the contexts context um, but some still are very much involved in this kind of um, culture of machismo of believing that um, only men um, can provide for their families that um, women don't have to have rights that LGBT people who are different from what you would expect from a regular person also don't deserve to be protected, um, and who sometimes also believe that if you are um, protecting these people, that you're giving them privileges, which is not actually true, but is how they see because uh, to them it's kind of it's hurting my right to discriminate that person. So they're actually getting privileges when it's not the case, we know that. Um, but I don't think that it has gotten to a point in the society that we are able to explain that fully.
2: What are some of the ways in which LGBTQIA activists and advocates like your, yourself, um, in what ways are you educating in understanding our, our values, our issues?
1: I think that our, um, our movement in the region is very, is almost, well, it's as diverse as the region itself, um, because it is a very, a very big region with many different countries. And inside each of these countries, we have very different contexts. Um, Brazil is a super large country and Northern activists don't work the same way as Southern activists. They don't have the same, um, the same causes that they need to fight right now because it's different in the context and so far away. Um, but I think that some of the things that I would highlight as um not only great successes of the movement, but great steps forward. Um, I think that we have been working very well with two fronts. Um, a lot of the activism in in Latin America is done um, via strategic strategic litigation, um, and it's very common to take causes to supreme courts in most of our countries, um, which you're like it does create a very big gap in terms of what are the assured rights by the law and what is the education that the people have that actually lets them understand why the Supreme Court or of whatever um, court has um, has passed that, um, that ruling. Um, so I think that um, allied to that um, strategy that goes through the law and through courts, I think there is a very big... Um, very big and complex work being done. And particularly through social media, I think that that's something that um, has become very major um, in the countries in our region because of the way that we communicate, because of the context of our countries. For example, um, most phone plans, like cell phone plans that you have in Brazil, allow you to use uh, WhatsApp, Facebook, and Instagram for free. And that does not charge your data pack. So people access those social networks and kind of use it as the internet when they're out of home because they do not want to spend their data because it might need it for an emergency. So I think that um, because those platforms are very easy to access and very um, widely spread in the region, there has been a lot um, of work being done through those channels. So a lot of... um, explanations and videos, a lot of um, memes even. Um, And it is a region of creative people that have been using these tools to talk about these complex issues in a way that a person that maybe might not be interested would actually like and enjoy. Um, So there is a lot of getting um, people aware of the importance of these things via influencers, via famous folks, via um, just stories of regular people and telling them, actually, we're not talking about anything extravagant. We're just talking about the right of a person. And this is what it is. Um, And I feel like a lot, this is something that kind of binds us all in the region together, like that kind of, um, creative way to tell the stories and engage people and get them um, on board because it is what we need right now we need more allies we need some countries like Brazil for example we have marriage equality we can um, same-sex couples can adopt um, trans folks can just go to the notary notary's office and um, update their documents without even needing like doctors or lawyers or anything. It's a simpler process now. Um, So we have rights. They, They have been legally assured to us, but they're not actually fulfilled because of that gap, which is what I feel like it has kind of gotten to us that, okay, now we have to bridge that gap. It is the time now to fight for that that legal stance to meet with what people actually believe. Um, In some countries, we don't even have the legal rights. So that's another layer of of work that has to be done. Um, But it has kind of become um, something that everyone is aware that it has to be done because they cannot work separately. We have to have them together.
2: May 17th and this episode is focused on international day against homophobia, transphobia, and biphobia. And so if you could just say, you know, a little bit about the fact that our younger generation are moving towards a much more inclusive, uh, point of view when it comes to gender diversity, sexual orientation.
1: All right. I was talking about this the other day, actually, um, because of that, uh, TV show, no, not TV show, oh, sounds very outdated, but the Netflix show Heartstopper um, that came out um, and how wonderful it is that teenagers today get to watch something like that, because that was not available when I was a teenager and that wasn't like that long ago, some years ago, but not too long. Um, And it's wonderful that these kids now get to see that and get to see themselves so soon and get to understand themselves. And I was surprised because they're out in school and that was not a reality for me. And I was in school some 20 years ago and I did not have any kind of like, colleague, it's cool, like and no kids were out LGBT people when I was in school. Even when I was in university later, still wasn't like some people were still very afraid to come out, did not feel comfortable, did not feel like they could express themselves, even in like their 20s. And obviously some people still go through that and and, and there's no age limit on coming out. Um but it is it it makes me feel hopeful that um kids this day these days get to see this about themselves earlier and not struggle with self-hate so much obviously still a thing obviously bullying uh, is still very much a thing Um, but I think that um, in general what I see from from these kids today is something that makes me very hopeful Um, it makes me feel like um, if this generation that's now in school like 20 years from now when they're my age they will not tolerate a lot of the things that we kind of had to to get to where we are now. Um, and I feel like it will push society forward like it will have like a snap. we will have a snap that things will be more accepted and 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 this is obviously very utopian and hopeful, um, not necessarily what will happen. but I think that just, because they have access to a lot of information, it kind of goes back to, to what I was saying in terms of education. Um, they have access to all this information. They have access to all of these different things, different sources, different kinds of people to talk to over the internet. I think that that makes it... Um, easier for them to comprehend themselves and if they are not an LGBT person to comprehend why it's not okay to discriminate someone who is. it is in, in the context of, of Latin America, a lot of kids are still very much subject to, um, what their family believes in, what their family, well, all kids are, but, um, are very much involved in the dynamic of their family. Sometimes it's religious, sometimes it's just very conservative and, and they kind of absorb that from, from the family. Um, but a lot of kids are now kind of breaking out of that, um, Sort of um, dome of of being immersed in this in this um, LGBT phobic culture. So I feel I feel very hopeful about how how kids communicate and see themselves and learn about themselves and their friends and stand up for each other these
2: days. My last question is. Um... One advice or one piece of message of support for anyone out there who is experiencing homophobia, transphobia? I think that that that
1: is always a difficult one, right? Because it always involves so many layers and so many things. Um, But what I would say is, if you have someone go to them. Um, If there is anyone that you trust, anyone that um, might be willing to listen and understand, go to them, ask for help. It's very scary to ask for help. It's not easy at all. Um, And if you have no one, I I think that there is this magic world of the internet today, where there's a lot of... I don't know if you can say it, that word, sorry. <laughs> there's a lot of bad stuff there, but there's also a lot of good things. And there's also a lot of good people. And there's also a lot of um, spaces that will be welcoming to you. Um, and that will, might even help you find spaces nearby, physically nearby to you where you'll be accepted and heard. Um, so don't don't go through it alone try to find these people if they're nearby try to find them online there are many many ways um, that you can find that kind of help um, because it is it is difficult it is um it is unfortunately a reality that we're still fighting against but i believe that we can keep keep going forward and make that change happen so that no one has to go through what are going right now
0: Thank you so much, Anna, and thank you to All Out. Thank you for all the work that you do. We are in this together. We all have to work together around the world to fight against homophobia, biphobia, and transphobia. To hear more episodes of Interpod, visit interpride.org. There you can also find out more information about the work we do with pride organizers from around the world. The Big AGM, or Annual General Members Meeting, is coming up in October in Guadalajara. This is Interpod, a podcast by Interpride, where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community.